appreciate this. Hey, you know what else I appreciated? When I was a kid, uh, I was, most of you guys know I was raised by a single mom, so we didn't get to go out to eat very often. So the few times that we actually got to go out to eat, this was a special occasion to me, and for everything that I could do, I was going to be there. I, I wanted to go out to eat. Any opportunity as a kid uh, that I could go out to eat, it was kind of a big deal. And back in the day, when this would happen, sometimes we would go to this pretty nice place, and I'd get pretty excited about it. They had these nice tables with these booths with the lights over top of the booth, and they had a salad bar. Man, this was high society, y'all. It was nice, and I couldn't wait to go as a kid. This place was called Pizza Hut. For real. And as far as I knew as a kid, this place was, like, it was top shelf, y'all. Right? This wasn't like going to pick up a pizza in a box. Right? They had all kinds of pizzas, and you could go to the pizza bar. It was all kinds of stuff. The only problem was is that every time I ate Pizza Hut, it made me sick. I won't go into details, but it made me sick. Every not like sometimes, every time, 100% of the time. And I don't know why, but I just never said anything. I just kept eating. And I, I, well, actually, I do know why, because it was such a treat, and it tasted good. I enjoyed it. It was something I wanted to do. So when I would find myself being sick, I think back on that now. Well, you guess, guess who was to blame for that? This guy, right? It was my fault that I was sick because I knew that this was a problem, and I just kept eating it anyway because I wanted it, because I enjoyed it. And if that's not a microcosm of this life and the way that we sometimes make our choices, wise and unwise, most frequently unwise, when we are going down paths and doing things we know we shouldn't do simply because we want to do them. We end up finding out my biggest problem is me. And what it takes and what I'm trying to help us do today as a church is spend some time in self-examination. Like if you don't take some significant time in your life to examine where am I when it comes to the things that tempt me, where am I in my life when it comes to the things that drag me away from what I know God wants me to do and instead drag me to what it is I want to do? If I don't spend some time in my life actually examining that, then I'm going to keep getting the same results that I've always gotten. If I keep doing the same things I've always done, I'll get the same results I've always gotten. You know this, but it's funny how free, infrequently we apply that simple truth to our own lives. And I'll tell you the why. Why do we do that? Well, it's because we never even slow down long enough sometimes to really examine our life. One of the things that I've had to do, and, and I was gone last week, Brian did an amazing job uh, while I was gone last week, as he always does. I was gone, and I was doing my covenant group where I've been for the past three years with a group of guys, fellow pastors that are leading similar-sized churches, similar, similar places in life, and we've been doing this band of brothers thing, y'all. Like coming alongside one another, supporting one another, being real with one another, sharing everything with one another. And I mean everything, laying it all out on the table where it has made me have to examine myself. It's made me have to check in with myself. How am I doing? What am I doing that's honoring God? What am I doing that's dishonoring God? It's really a constant series of check-ins. 
from our monthly calls to our twice a year gatherings in person with this group of guys that I trust, it's made me have to check in. As a matter of fact, we begin every one of these covenant group sessions, which is what they're called. We begin every one of these covenant group sessions with a check-in. And it's basically a way for us to ask one another, how are you doing? So a check-in begins by saying, all right, hey, it's time for a check-in. How are you feeling today? And you can say things like, hey, I'm expectant, or hey, you know what, I'm really struggling, or hey, I, I, th there's something going on. But at the end of that, it always ends with you saying, but I'm all in. I'm all into the process. Here's what's going on. Here's how I really feel. Let me check in, but I'm all in. And the guys say back to you every time, 100% of the time, blessings on you. Blessings on you. Because you're here to do the work. And so, friends, you've come into this space this morning, not necessarily knowing what you might get out of today. My prayer is that you come today willing to do the heart work. And as you've heard me say today, and as my mentor has taught me, heart work is hard work. And soul work is slow work. It's true. The heart work of your heart is going to be a process. And you are today stepping into that. Even by being in this space, you are opening yourself up to it. So I say before we open the word of God together, my friends, Blessings on you. Let's read together in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 5, 1 through 9. We are going to examine here in just a moment. We're going to examine some powerful truths from the book of Proverbs. And we have to do this because the, these couple of chapters here in Proverbs, from like chapter 5 to chapter 8, are really focused on temptation. Anybody ever struggle with temptation? Man, I know you do. Everybody does. One of the things that we fail to do, though, which I just taught you about on the check-in thing, is people fail to ask, why am I struggling with temptation? They actually did a survey about this with people about why do you struggle with temptation? And the top four reasons in this survey I read were 50% of people said, I'm not really sure. Now, doesn't that just make the point I just made? Like it's people like, I don't know, I'm just drifting through life. I'm just doing the same things I've always done. I don't know why I give in to temptation. Oh, I haven't really thought about it. Well, that's part of our problem. So we're putting in the work today. Hey, 20% of people said they give in to temptation to escape from life. To escape from pain or life. 8% of people said to feel less pain and loneliness. So maybe more about the loneliness on that side. And then the 7% of people said to satisfy people's expectations of me. Those are the top four things of why people give in to temptation. And we'll talk more about a lot of these issues as we go along. But all of these are things and ways that people struggle with temptation, with sin. And we're going to dig into this in Proverbs right now. Proverbs 5, 1 through 9. Let's read it. It says, my son, pay attention to my wisdom. Remember, Proverbs is a collection of wisdom. It says, listen well to my words of insight, that you may maintain discretion and your lips may preserve knowledge. For the lips of an adulteress drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. 
the adulteress, the one that would lead you astray, whether we are talking about sexual sins or whether we are talking about the things that drag us into sin and temptation, it can apply either way. It makes it clear here. The steps lead straight to the grave. She gives no thought to the way of life. Her paths are crooked, but she knows it not. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Do not turn aside from what I say. Keep to a path far from her. Do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your best strength to others and your years to one who is cruel. When we give in to sin and temptation, we are giving the best of our lives to one who is cruel. And one of the chief most ways that we fall into this is with sexual sin. And, and so we can't ignore that this morning. We can't ignore what the writer of this Proverbs is teaching us about this and about the struggles of flesh and blood that every human being struggles with, lusting, lustfulness. You know, in this day and age, we live in a time where personal accountability is frowned upon. <laughs> People really think, you know, it's not really fair to have anybody be held accountable. Well, you know, they just are the way they are. And the truth of the matter is that we should be able to be held accountable, especially as Christians. We should be held to a higher standard. And so when it comes to the standard of Christ with things that relate to sexuality, and we got to be above board in all things. We've got to be able to hear some hard truths. One of the more prevalent lies in our culture is that our sexual impulses have to be acted upon and that asking anybody to forego sexual desires or activities is cruel, oppressive, impossible, impractical. I could go on and on and on. You know what all of that is? It's just an excuse. It's just like anything else in your life that you struggle with that is very difficult for you. You can make a way, an excuse, a reason to do what it is you want to do by talking yourself into it being okay. And I promise you that our culture, our secular culture, will go out of its way to help you feel okay about doing whatever it is you want. They will go out of your way to help you feel like, nah, it's all right. You're a good person. You do lots of good things. So don't worry about this area that you know is not congruent with what God wants. It's not in alignment with what it is that God wants. When the writer of Proverbs has just told us to take the better path, right? Because if we don't, we're going to end up finding ourselves in this place where we, we have given our strength to others and our years to one who is cruel. And my goal as your pastor, is to help you not go down that path and help me not go down that path. So when it comes to something as deep and as dark and as insidious as adultery, we have to take it seriously. We have to talk about it. And I know you say, well, you know, Nick, I, I'm, I'm not going to give in to that. I'm, I'm not going to fall into a sexual sin with some other flesh and blood person. And, and that's probably true for you. Although, you better be on guard against it. 
You better not think that you are incapable of that level of temptation because you are. But even if you feel like you're in a good place with that, the, the sexual sins, are you are not above it. And I, I'm glad our teenagers are in here. They, they need to hear these conversations. We all need to be able to have these adult-level, serious conversations because this is the stuff that's really going on in our world. You may not fall into a flesh-and-blood sin problem with somebody, but the sin of adultery is something that every single human being in this room, look right at me, every single one of us struggles with. At some point in our lives and to varying degrees, everyone, man, woman, everybody. You know, Jesus said, and I, you know, I was just talking about, hey, you may not fall into a flesh and blood relationship, but let me remind you what Jesus said about adultery. Matthew 5, verse 28. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And that, that applies male and female there, right? That's everybody. We're guilty. And oh, by the way, it absolutely must be addressed from this pulpit that whether it's the flesh and blood relationship, whether it is the lust of the eyes from simply somebody you see or pass on the street or at the gym or wherever it is, or as you know more and more these days, whether it is pornography. And the unfortunate truth is Pornography is not getting less prevalent in our society. It's getting more and more heinous and more and more prevalent and more and more inroads to try to get people to accept it as normative behavior. Oh, yeah, well, everybody watches porn. Nope. That's just excuse making to help you feel better about something you know is not God honoring. And so, as I told you earlier, the world will do everything it can to convince you that it's okay. But it's not God-honoring. And in this time of COVID over the last two years, the unfortunate truth is that the numbers of people struggling with pornography, struggling with addictions, struggling with substance abuse, that stuff hadn't gone down, y'all. It's skyrocketed. So much so, and I hope this blows your mind, because it should. Did you know that 30 5% of all downloads on the entire internet are porn. 35%. Did you know that that's more than Netflix, Twitter, and Facebook combined? I'm sorry, Amazon, Twitter, and Netflix. I got my companies mixed up. Amazon, Twitter, and Netflix combined don't touch 35%. But porn does. So what does this tell you? And you say, oh, well, Nick, I'm not struggling with the flesh and blood adultery thing. Hey, I figured out how to control my eyes when the person passes by. Hey, you know what? Well, maybe you've even gotten to a place where pornography is no kind of a temptation to you. Okay. So you say, well, how does this message apply to me? Well, first of all, if you're truly, you grasp all three of those areas of your life, you're doing a lot better than a whole lot of people. So that, I'm glad to hear it, but I would just implore you to really examine yourself on the truthfulness of that. But either way, the application is here because if 
of the downloads on the internet of pornography. That means your friends, your family, your kids, your teenagers, teens, you and other fellow teenagers, your spouse. People are struggling with this, and so we have to talk about it. And we have to talk about putting things in place in our lives that help us resist these kinds of sexual temptations and sins, which are all the more prevalent in this day and age, that if we don't try, if we don't do something about it, these kinds of things can overwhelm us. They can crash marriages. They can ruin you. They can crash your spiritual life. And I don't want to see that happen to you. I don't want to see that happen to me. So I have to put, and I have put through my years of life and ministry, things in my life to help hold me accountable. Ways that I know I'm not going to fall into that. You know, filters and all these kinds of things that are tools that you can have on your systems, computers and phones. These things are important. Because otherwise, it becomes very easy to fall into those kinds of traps. So parents, take seriously these things with your kids. Students, Take seriously these things for yourself. If this is an area where you're struggling right now, don't be afraid to say. Don't be afraid to go to somebody that is a trusted adult, whether it is your pastor or your parents, and have a conversation with them about it and ask them to pray for you in this. Ask them to help hold you lovingly accountable. Ask them to help you find the right kinds of things you need to put on your phone, the right kinds of things you need to do when you're feeling tempted. Everybody, whether you are an adult or whether you are a teenager or anywhere in between, you have somebody in your life you could trust with this information. Somebody. And if you really don't have anybody, come and talk to me. I would love to talk with you. I'd love to pray for you and help hold you lovingly accountable. You are not alone in these struggles, and you cannot pretend like they don't exist. You will not pretend them away. So don't be afraid to say, hey, I, I need to deal with this. Whatever your area of sexual sin is, you got to be real about it because it's just one of the many areas of trial and temptation that come into our lives as Christians. We got to be unafraid to talk about. We got to get real about it. So we've talked, a, we've talked a lot about that particular area of sin. You know that I could go on and on in all kinds of the different areas today of specific things you deal with. I'm not going to do that so much as what I am going to spend the rest of our time doing is trying to give you some strategy to help yourself get healthy. So why and how do we avoid temptation? Look, look here in verses 11 through 14 in, in Proverbs 5. It says, at the end of your life, you will groan when your flesh and your body are spent. Remember, the writer has been telling us about what's going to happen if I give in to that adulteress. And you've got to remember that that does not have to only mean the flesh and blood relationship. It is about all these areas of lies that we tell ourselves that have us falling into sin. You will say how I hated discipline. Everybody say discipline. Man, that's a word that we don't like. We don't want to be disciplined, right? When I was a young man, I was a kid, the thing I always feared is I had this teacher. It was like, if I messed up in class, I was going to have to go write a sentence on the board a hundred times. 
I did not want to do that. Like I would do anything not to do that, even not talk to the person next to me that I really wanted to talk to because I was not going to go to that board. This was discipline, and I, man, it, I was afraid of it. And, and discipline on the other side of this is, hey, I have to discipline myself to do hard things. And I don't really want to do that either. Well, why? Because it's hard. It's lately, the thing that I've been working on in my own spiritual life is, you know, daily I pray and I read my Bible. That's the thing that I, I do well. I get that down pretty consistently. But an area that I've struggled with and I knew that I wanted to add in my spiritual life was journaling. But the reason that I didn't journal kind of daily where I was with God and some thoughts is because I didn't want to. I don't like it. I don't want to do that, God. I don't enjoy that. So I'm not doing it. And I gave the Lord the cross arms. And so then, you know, he does what he will do for you too. He just finally like cracked through my thick skull enough to say, no, no, this is something you need to do. You're going to better grow if you will add this to your arsenal of spiritual growth, you know, things you've put in your life. So here lately, I've been doing that. I've been journaling. And the thing I've done, though, because you got to not be afraid to start small, right? If all of a sudden I had to be like writing a page worth of journal stuff, I ain't doing that, all right? But what I do is every day out of my reading, I write one verse. Everybody can write one verse. I write one verse that really stood out to me, and then I write one thought, just one thought about what I believe God was saying to, to me or teaching in that text. That's it. But for me, I've already seen blessing about it. But the only way I was going to do it is if I got disciplined enough to do it. This is what we're talking about today. Getting better at anything like resisting sin and temptation. Friends, I hate to tell you, it's going to require discipline. Getting better habits. Getting healthier. As I told you. Heart work is hard work, and soul work is slow work. And I know that the slow part of that is one of the reasons we struggle with this most. Because we say, okay, God, I'm ready. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get better. I'm going to do this. I'm going to stop doing that thing, and I'm going to start doing more right. And we do it for like a day or two. And then, and we just fall right back into the old habits, and, and we, we get a couple days in, and we're like, oh, man, I don't know. I'm not feeling anything. This does, I don't even feel any different. I don't think this is working. Friends, that, that's not how spiritual growth works. You wouldn't expect that in many other areas of your life. You would know, I've got to put the time and the investment into this to see the payoff at the end. You could come out and go running with me tomorrow morning. Go train for a marathon with me. Tomorrow morning, we'll go out. You can go run with me. But you ain't going to be able to run a marathon on Tuesday. But months down the road, you will be. You could do that. I'll see you all tomorrow morning, 7 o'clock. It's going to be early. It's a little cold. Bundle up. In all seriousness, you would not think I can go out and run tomorrow and I'm going to be ready to go on Tuesday. So why do we treat our spiritual lives like that? It's foolishness. We know it can't. It just can't work that way. Yet we're not willing to stick with it, to stand by, to wait on God, and to know that heart work is hard work, and soul work is just slow work. 
and I will trust the Lord through these steps. That is discipline. Let me finish this text because the writer says in the latter part of verse 12, exactly what our problem is. Can we go back to that text, y'all? I know I went away from it for a long time. Just, just click back. It says, how my heart spurned correction. How my heart spurned correction. That's the latter part of verse 12. And that's a struggle. Like I fight against, I fight against correction. I would not obey my teachers. Verse 13, I would not obey my teachers or listen to my instructors. I have come to the brink of utter ruin in the midst of the whole assembly. That's just the writer's way of saying like, I made a fool of myself because I couldn't deal with these things that I know I needed to deal with. I couldn't put the work in to get better in these areas of my life. We've got to do better, be better. And, and this is not about, you know, this some level of personal achievement. This is about growing in the depths of our spirituality and our closeness to Jesus. How do we avoid temptation? How do we actually go about this? I like you're like, Nick, I know I need to get better in this, but how exactly do I do it? Well, listen to what verse 15 says here in Proverbs 5. It says, drink water from your own cistern, running water from your own well. I think this verse is super rich. It's super beautiful. It's super deep. It's the writer's way of saying, don't try to fill up the well of your life from other people's well. Don't look over at their well and say, hey, they got better finances than I do. They got better blessings than I do. They've got a better family than I do. They have a better spouse than I do. They have a better spiritual life than I do. And so we spend our lives doing what the proverb writer here has been telling us not to do, which is falling into that trap of looking at what other people have. Rather than filling up our own cistern, our own well. I don't know what a cistern is. It's just a thing that stores water. We know that water is life-giving. Everyone in this room understands that. And Jesus is the source of life. He is, as he tells us, the living water. And so the message for us is pretty simple today, that if we will fill our lives up with Jesus, if we will look to him first, he will give us what we need. And we won't have to be looking over at other people's wells, at other people's cisterns, at other people's spouses. We won't be pursuing those things because we'll be drinking from our own cistern and we'll be in a much better place mentally, spiritually, physically to resist sin and temptation. James chapter 1 verse 14 says, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own desire and enticed. We talked about this from the very beginning, like we want what we want. The good news though for you and me church is we are not alone in this fight. You are not doing this by yourself. Second Peter 2 9 says, if all of this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials. 
You will go through trials. You will go through trouble. You will struggle with temptation. But God knows about it, and he's with you. You're not alone in it. And you need to be reminded of that this morning. And 1 Corinthians 10, 13, many of you all will have heard this before. No temptation has overtaken you except that which is common to mankind. Hey, everybody struggles. Everybody struggles with all kinds of sins. And all the sins you struggle with, other people struggle with. Even pastors, right? Everybody. There's no exceptions. It says, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Now, I want to be really clear here. God will provide you a way out. But this text has been misquoted too many times through the years. And people basically say, well, God won't put, on, put more on me than I can bear. Eh, wrong. Wrongity, wrong, wrong, wrong. What the text is actually telling you is that, yes, the many things you're going to face are common, and a lot of people face them. They're going to be difficult. And if you try to go it on your own, you won't be able to bear up underneath it. But God will be with you and will give you a way out if you trust him and if you rely on him and lean on him. So far from telling you, hey, you got this. Do better, do better, be better, try harder, which I know must seem like to some degree what I've been trying to teach you this morning. But that if, if that's what you're hearing, you're not listening. Because this is not simply about self-improvement. Self-improvement is a means to an end. It is one piece of your spiritual life puzzle. Here's the good news. Your piece of the puzzle is like this big. You with me? God's piece of your spiritual life puzzle is like this big. He's carrying the weight. You're doing your part. You understand? And this is critical that we recognize that. If we will put our peace in, we can know that God is carrying his part and we will see fruit on the other end of this soul work. It's slow work. But we will see fruit on the other end of it. And we've got to trust him in that. Yes, you will frequently find yourself with more than you can bear. But you will never find yourself with more on you than God can bear. And you need to remember that. Temptation's going to come. And admittedly, it's difficult. It's hard to not do what you want. Sin is enticing. makes itself attractive. When I was a younger man, and I was, you know, a single guy, and I'd be trying to kill time, every now and then I'd go to the mall, and I'd just go walk around. You know, I didn't have anything else to do. I'd walk around. Every time, every time, temptation would have me from its clutches, from the 
very first moment that I walked into the mall because I opened that door and I smelled Cinnabon right away. Y'all didn't know where I was going with that, did you? Right from the beginning. I mean, I was on the far side of the mall and I could open the door. I think they're piping that thing through the whole system, y'all. And I would walk in the mall and man, from the moment I got, I was like, I think I, I need to get a Cinnabon, right? And I, I mean, I, like every time I went, I would get one. And listen, there's, you know, people were going out the door in the first service like, oh, it's okay to every now and then have a Cinnabon. Hey, all things in moderation. Friends, have a Cinnabon. I was eating a lot of Cinnabons though, y'all. I really was. That It's enticing. It was hard to go there. It was attractive. It was something I wanted. I could smell it. This is what sin does, right? It, it will draw us in. It will attract us. It will pull us towards it in a lot of different ways that truthfully can be hard to resist. So what do we got to do? What are we going to do about it? Well, we're going to first start. Now, you got to identify the bad habit. I'm almost done. Hang with me here for like three more minutes and I'll be done. Identify the wrong or bad habit. Whatever that temptation is, stay with me now. You've got to identify it if it's going to get better. And, I, and I, I, you've got to choose to put some things in place in your life that will help you. I've already given you some ideas, and I want to close by giving you a few more. Sometimes rather than, than trying to fight off the wrong trigger, like, you know, whatever that wrong trigger, we're going to actually think about our lives in a way that we can intentionally remove the trigger. So rather than the trigger going off and then us trying to fight it, what if we got proactive and we really examined some of those knowing the area in our life that we're struggling with and then trying to remove some of the things that actually make it such a problem. I stole this from Craig Groeschel, one of his recent leadership podcasts. I thought it was so good. And I said, man, I got to share this with the church this Sunday. He basically talks about five common triggers that trip us up. And you might want to write these down because they won't be in your sermon notes. And I'm just telling you, I found them super helpful. You can put them like as a note in your phone if you want or whatever's the easiest thing for you and a way you'll actually look at them. He gives five common triggers, ways that you fall into sin and temptation. First thing is place. Like he says, you know, you don't overeat at the gym, but you might in front of the pantry, right? That's true, right? So you got to think about with whatever your sin and temptation is that you're struggling with, think about place. How can I remove the place part of this sin and temptation I keep falling into, whatever that place is? Second thing is time. You know, you don't overact, you don't overreact when you're rested most of the time, but you do late in the week when you're really tired and exhausted, or maybe even on a Monday morning. Whatever the time of day is for you that's a real struggle, sometimes this is a problem for people. Again, if you're lonely, you know, or you're struggling with something like, you know, pornography that we talked about earlier, maybe you need to address some of the time issues. You need to think about plugging other healthy practices into those times. So place, time. Third thing is mood. You might be short with people, for instance, when you're hungry. I'm a hangry dude, y'all, right? If I get hungry, I just know this about myself, so I have to be really careful. Right? I'm going to eat something before I have a difficult conversation, because if not, I know how that's going to go. So I'm going to think carefully about my mood in, in the areas of struggle and sin and temptation. Fourth thing is moment. Look, the moment of your life that you may find yourself in, 
right? Every time you take a trip, you might become more demanding before you leave, right? Every Tuesday, when you have a particular, you know, regularly scheduled staff meeting at work or something, and that's a tough day for you, you'll know to be really cognizant of the areas of life that you're struggling with in temptation, and you're going to flee from, you're going to really be mindful of that because you know that that moment you are particularly susceptible to falling into sin and temptation. Fifth thing, final thing is this, is people, right? Studies are clear, and this is people on the good side. The closer you are to someone, the more likely you are to imitate their habits. So good or bad, the people you surround yourself with. Teenagers, adults, this applies to all of us. Y'all, you might think that's, that's only a message for teens. Boy, I really hope my teenager hears that because I want them to be surrounding themselves with good people. Look, I know adults right now who have seen marriages ruined because they were spending time with the wrong people. This is not, this is not just a message for your teenager. It's a message for you too, all right? So make sure you hear me saying that. But the closer you are to someone, the more likely you are to imitate their habits, good or bad. If you want to lose weight, hang around people that are fit. You know, if you want to spend more time in the word of God, hang around people that you know are further along in their intentional study in God's word and be around them. Ask them what they do. Ask them what works for them. This is very simple stuff, but it's critical. So place, time, mood, moments, and people. Those are five very intentional things you can think about in your life as it applies to your areas of sin and struggle and address all five of those aspects around that area that you're struggling in and see if you don't see some growth. Now remember, soul work is slow work. Heart work is hard work. Put the time in. And then keep doing what you're doing today. You're doing the other critical thing, one of the other critical things. You're gathering to worship. Get involved in this community. Come get to know us. Be involved in a group or class and then pray. Be intentional in your prayer life every day because you cannot go it alone. You won't make it. You won't make it. Don't be afraid to do these simple, powerful practices. Stop shifting blame. Stop making excuses. Stop living in shame. That's not doing anybody any good either. You or anybody else. This is a time for you to stop covering up and uncover and come to Jesus and say, hey, I'm laying it all out on the table. I know that, you, that, that every good and perfect gift that you want from me, I, I know and I believe you want to give that to me, but Lord, I need to trust you. I need to give you the best of me. The Father wants to give you what you need, not what you deserve. And that is good news, church. He wants to give you what you need. You might be like, well, I don't deserve good things, and I've really been struggling, and I've really been bad. Good news is God does not want to give you what you want or what you ultimately need. He wants to give you, does not want to give you what you deserve, but what you need. You know what I mean? So if you will ask, you will receive God's solution, and he will lead you and guide you every step of the way. You do your part, and he'll do his. Let's pray.